Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, joined as always by my friend, the CEO and founder of Startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, we're in the business of just being right all the time, right? <laughs> Startup companies are nothing but a collection of the right decisions, the right hires, uh, you know, the, the right business model, the, the right strategic moves. Like, how often do we actually get to be wrong in this gig? Uh, all the time. <laughs> we oh, are right, in the, right. Yeah, right. We're, you got to. We're in the business of wrong. That's correct. <laughs> at an epic level, yes. which is hilarious because we lambaste ourselves, we lambaste other startups, uh, even you know investors, etc., for being wrong. Yeah, and it's like that's the business that we're in. Yeah. Now it's yep. different. If we were talking about public companies that have been running forever, they're not allowed to be in the business of wrong. Correct. I mean. To yeah. the extent that they should have had their stuff figured out by now. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. So when they miss earnings or, or when they go off the, the rails, maybe the culture of wrong doesn't make quite as much sense for them because yeah. they, they release a new recipe for Coke, you know, things yeah, like yeah. that, right? Like they can yeah, make now, mistakes, but it's, it's led us at the fundamental level, right? But where we're at, where we're figuring out everything for the first time, where yep. every single thing is a variable, we actually don't have constants yet. Yeah, I yeah. would argue in a big company, big Fortune 500 that's been around forever, they actually don't have a lot of variables left. They no. pretend like they do. They do big strategy <laughs> meetings, et cetera. <laughs> yep. But but if they get crazy, that business changes 10% in five to 10 years. Right. All the hard stuff, and I've argued this before, was done generations before anybody that's probably Correct. still there. Yep. That's when it was all variables. We're in the business of all variables. And yet, as founders, we get so hung up on the thinking that we can have all the right answers. Right, right. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. So I thought what would be cool today, let's walk through all of the things that we mistakenly, let's call it foolishly, foolishly, yeah. think that we have the right answers to, and we couldn't possibly have the right answers. And by the way, this will let a lot of people off the hook, both personally yes. within the organization. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, right, in, in your mind, of all the things, I and mean, there are many things, uh, where do we start here? Yeah. Oh. Let's start at the very beginning. Let's let's start with the business idea itself, right? <laughs> uh, this is often where we go off the rails, right? Uh, but to, to your to your point, before we continue with this, uh, there should be a whole lot of sighs of relief during the, the listening of this episode. Oh. Uh, and and you said this before we got started today, well, but I think this is going to be a really interesting one where founders can share with their teams uh, uh, yeah, because we're going to talk a lot about how and why this is important, not just to the founder, but how this permeates the entire team and how it impacts performance and a lot of other stuff. But yeah, I think that if we want to look for one of the places where not only is it nearly impossible to get it right from the beginning, a lot of founders get caught up with trying to do exactly that and they spend way too much time, you know, uh, on the whiteboard or on the engineering bench or wherever trying to perfect and get the business idea perfectly right before it ever sees the light of day. And we've been over this ad nauseum. That's not how it works, right? It just isn't it's how not. it works. Until it sees the enemy, uh, we're never going to know how well it performs. I get to the point where I tell founders, don't worry. It actually kind of doesn't matter what your idea is right now. It's just raw yep. clay right now. Right now, yep. your, your idea is raw clay. And no matter how much you think it's the right idea, it's the perfect idea, it's going to wind up being horrible. And not yep. because it's a bad idea per se, but to your point, Ryan, 
Because you haven't talked to anybody about it. You haven't tried to sell yep. it to somebody, right? <laughs> right? Your steak tastes terrible until somebody pays a premium for it, right? Yep. Everybody spits it back out. Guess what? It's a shitty steak. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so I, I think that what we get so hung up on, and, and I think and we've done episodes about this too, where you know people get hung up on their idea and yeah. they don't launch because they don't think the idea yep. is right and perfect yet. And we try to tell them it kind of just doesn't matter. You actually yep. can't be right at the formative stages. I don't think I don't think we've ever seen anybody come out of the gates and nail it the first time. And, and if they did, it was the Powerball odds exactly. of that happening. It was pure luck, right? Everything else starts in, like you said, it's some ray, uh, raw clay format, and we just have to work our way through forming and forming and reforming and showing it off, right? This is not, again, something that we do in a vacuum, right? If you're Absolutely. just reshaping the clay in a vacuum, I hope you like playing with clay because <laughs> <Like, laughs> that's what you're going to spend your time doing. Uh, nothing is ever going to solidify. Nothing's ever going to take final or closer to final form that becomes the product or the business that we actually want to build, right? There's no version of us quietly and secretly doing this somewhere uh, and just magically landing on the right formula for the idea. Are we suggesting that the second you have an idea, you just start plastering it all over the place and running around town and telling everybody it's the best thing ever? Um, maybe, I don't know. Uh, probably not exactly that either, but we're certainly not saying, hey, just keep this a secret forever and try to figure out how you can become exactly right about what this idea is, just not the process. You know, something that's really funny about everything we talk about here is that none of it is new. Everything you're dealing with right now has been done a thousand times before you, which means the answer already exists. You may just not know it, but that's okay. That's kind of what we're here to do. We talk about this stuff on the show, but we actually solve these problems all day long at groups.startups.com. So if any of this sounds familiar, stop guessing about what to do. Let us just give you the answers to the test and be done with it. All this is part of accepting yeah. being wrong. And I think sure. for most of us coming out of whatever career we came out of, whether it was academia, which is 100% based on being right, the <laughs> oh, entire thing is yep. based on how right you are, yep. usually the first time, by the way. Yeah. And so we get indoctrinated there. Then we go to a job, again, typically an established company where, where the processes have already been figured out. The people have already gone through the versions of wrong. They, yep. they turned their variables into constants Correct. and we're graded on being right. So we come into this for the first time out of either of those uh, paths, which are pretty common, most people are coming out of, yep. it doesn't occur to us that we can start with, I have no idea. I have no idea. In our minds, we know we have no idea. Right? Correct. Correct. But we've been conditioned to be afraid to tell anybody this, to say yeah. to anybody, oh. hey, I, I think I'm wrong. I'm supposed to be the, the leader, ego, right? The ego steps right up and says, like, we have to be right here or this won't continue. I think that's a big part of the problem is that people assume that if... At any point, somebody else tells them this is wrong. The fragility of their own feelings around the concept is so high that it's just going to collapse and they're not going to continue, right? We, we use, and it's, it's a terrible one, but we say like, you know, people are afraid to find out their baby's ugly, Yeah. right? Well, you kind of have to go through that process. Here's the good news. Your baby will change very quickly. Yeah. It'll change a lot faster <laughs> with feedback, right? They grow fast and, you know, given proper treatment, they'll turn out great. Uh, it's, it's if we just, you know, lock it away in the closet and hope that it turns into something else, not a good plan. That's a very right? dark for turn babies for this metaphorical baby, right? Businesses. Yeah. It's a metaphorical <laughs> baby, folks. Yeah. Metaphorical baby. So 
one of the places you, you, you touched on this and I just want to expand on it where we have this idea, we're afraid to be wrong and more yep. so we get told we're wrong by the wrong person. Yeah, for sure. So our rich uncle comes to us who killed it in real estate and yeah. says, your mobile app idea is terrible because you don't have good operating margin. He doesn't understand like, even what that means yeah. for our business, right? <laughs> but but right. because it meant a lot in his business, he's just projecting it on us. Yeah. And we look at that and say, oh my God, I guess I have to change things. I am wrong. Yeah. No, no, he's the wrong person to he's be talking. Also wrong. <laughs> he's <Yep>. also wrong. <laughs> your inputs are wrong. You talk to an investor. An investor says, you're going after the totally the wrong market. This is the right market to go after. Cool. Investor person, do you live in this market? Are you a customer from that market? Will you buy from us in that market? No, no, no. Right. You're the wrong input. Are you also going to hand me all of the money to go test that market? Yeah. Because that yeah, might like, change yeah. that. That might change my mind a little bit. I might say okay to that. But I think that we are so used to seeking out these right, these definitive answers, especially yeah. for things that are so unknown, like yeah. our ideas, that we lose our stuff. We totally misunderstand and miscalibrate how we should be approaching this. If we are trying to invent, if we are trying to create something out of nothing, we have to be wrong. We have to be wrong many, over many, and over and many over times. Yep. And, and I would argue, I'll take this the other direction. If we don't push hard enough to be wrong, we're screwed. Because then yeah. we never really know what the potential. I, I'll give you an example. Pricing, yeah, yeah, no, it's right? great. Whenever we get into pricing, we say, well, should we charge this? Should we charge this? Should we charge this? And we always come back to the same conclusion because we've been at this for a minute. Let's charge everything. Let's try yeah. every possible combination. Yep. Let's try one time. Let's try lifetime. Let's try yep. recurring. Let's try every possible combination because none of us knows. We don't know. Our customer knows. Yeah, they right? do. They know what they'll pay and they know how they'll pay and they know when they'll pay. They know why they'll pay. In our, in, in our first five or month worth of customers may give us the wrong data. And what Correct. we're saying is, all we know is that if we try enough things over a long enough period of time, fortunately, hopefully, the answer will appear. Yes. But there's no version we can whiteboard it to death and come up with the answer. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. But Will, I have a 64-tab Excel spreadsheet that I've been working on for 96 weeks. Yep, yep. That is going to give me the optimized price. And I'll, I've, and I'll I've be never. Right. I've never seen a business succeed because they lean canvas the hell out of it. Right? <laughs> it don't get me wrong. Right. I like lean canvas. Yep. It's actually, it's actually a very logical approach. Uh, it's yep. a, so, but what I'm trying to say is that was never what built the business. It was they right. lean canvas it and maybe they skipped a couple missteps they would have otherwise made with less research. Always a yeah. good practice. Yes, for sure. But ultimately, until they got the idea out there, until they saw what it took, and by the way, getting the idea out, there's one piece of it. And we'll talk about other yep. pieces, like hiring the team around it, the Correct. marketing around it, and all these yep. other pieces. Uh, you're barely at the 1% of your progress bar on, on how you're supposed to look at this. So if we have the least information we've ever had on this idea, and yep. we're trying to be right about it, it's goofy. <laughs> It, it is. It is it's like you, you have you have almost no data. And yet what you're going to do is spend time analyzing what little you have and trying to come up with a long ranging conclusion that drives the business. Right. Like we're not suggesting not to think about it. Right. We're not suggesting sure. not to analyze it. The opposite. But we are suggesting to to put those things in proper balance. Right. All thinking with no action is not going to help you. Right. Assuming you have to be right before you begin also not going to help you, right? 
all of these all of these areas where you make an assumption and you test it and you find out you're wrong are simply the railroad ties that we're going to lay the tracks to being right on right that's the way this that's goes a great way you to put have it. to do that you have to go through being wrong so you can figure out what right actually looks like because it can't be defined from the beginning right that's the thing if i asked you okay so what does being right actually look like how do you know that you got the right business idea they'll have no idea right it's crickets because how could you possibly and yet you're trying to figure out and you're trying to somehow magically arrive at this unknown destination and then somehow realize that you've gotten there so stop wasting your time trying to be right go ahead make some mistakes be wrong it'll be okay it's a promise right you'll be fine the next thing we're going to do uh, as a business after we beat up this idea and you know, try yep. to pretend like we're right is we're going to bring somebody else on that's not us to try to help us grow this thing and that could be a co-founder do, do they know what's right <laughs> of course not is that where it happens oh damn which is right. which is where things get even more challenging because the only thing more confusing than being by yourself and being wrong <laughs> is adding another person who thinks maybe they should be right too yeah. or another oh, person man. after that and uh, just escalate the confusion. I talk about this all the time when people are like, I just need a co-founder. Why? Well, I'm just really not sure of my decisions. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm right about this or right about that. And I'm like, and so you want to add another person who has the same level of confusion to the mix and somebody <laughs> you think this is going to make it easier. And they go, yeah, that doesn't sound like what I was after. Like, well, that's what you're <laughs> probably going to end up with. You want to multiply the problem. And yep. look, it, it does help to have other voices. It does help to sure. have other inputs, experiences, yep. et cetera. But here's the part that we're missing. We have to understand when we're making these hires, number one, the probability that we made the right hire to get that voice is so incredibly low yep. that it's almost laughable. And why is that? A few reasons. Number one, when we go to hire, let's say we're looking for a co-founder or we're making our first hire, we fundamentally have the fewest resources we're ever going to have to source yep. that talent. Yep. Well, sometimes we get lucky. Sometimes we have a, a coworker that we used to work with that actually has the skill set, et cetera, we can bring on. And I would say that's that's fortunate. I will say it's rare. Yeah. More often than not, we're out there scouring for two things, strangers and strangers who will get paid next to nothing to work for us. <laughs> yeah. <And be laughs> two happy variables that don't work in our favor. Yeah. So here we are thinking, I've got to make the right hires. I've got to put together the right team. What are the chances you're going to pull that off? Pretty much zero. Very, very slim. All right. It's 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 around as close to the the same odds as if I spend a lot of time thinking about it, I'll get this right. Yeah. Right. Which is to say that number one, your odds of getting this right are extremely small. Your chances of improving your odds by spending a lot of time or analysis or whatever it else is that you think you're going to do also extremely small. All right. You've brought this point up before many times. Well, which is at some point we just have to take the step. We mm -hmm. have to make the hire and we might make a mistake there. Chances are we will make a mistake and then we'll correct for it, right? Back to back to where we started with this. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong about the hire. Try to be as right as we can, uh, but be willing to admit that we were wrong about this. And I think that emotionally, this one tends to be almost as hard, if not as hard as being wrong about the idea itself. Yes. Uh, because now we're, we're introducing someone else's human emotions and their dignity into the mix and our own ego saying but i i wanted to have picked the right person but now i've got the wrong person right we talk about this in, in startups a lot it's it's you know hire fast fire fast it sounds horribly calloused uh and to some degree it is 
but it's also very necessary. We have to be able to admit when we're wrong about the person that we brought on and correct for that. Maybe that's training. Maybe that's realigning the role. Maybe that's realigning expectations, but sometimes it just means parting company um, and being willing to admit that we're wrong about it for their good and for our own. I agree. I, I think that uh, in, in my history, having hired over a thousand people in my career, I can tell you this. I've learned very little about how to hire people, but I've learned a hell of a lot about how to fire them. And, and what I mean by that <laughs> yeah, is no, I, I understand. Not, not my favorite part of it. Yep. I've learned yep. that no matter how many interviews I do, no matter how cool questions I yep. ask or background checks that I do, it never really tells the full story. I would argue that you can take out the false positives pretty quickly. Right? Yes. Like you can look at, oh, yep. okay, that that is an obvious, holy cow, don't don't go down, down that right. road again. Um, right. Here's a silly one, but I think people can relate to it. When you ask somebody, is there anything you like about your last job? And they spend 20 minutes just going on an absolute tirade about what an a-hole their boss was. Chances are there's probably a problem there. Like the, the people that do that, not across the board, right, tend to do that everywhere else they go, yep. right? It just... For what it's worth, it's not, oh my God, if they ever do that, I'm done. But generally speaking, when I see that kind of behavior, especially if you're in an interview and you're not even aware that you probably shouldn't be doing that, usually a pretty good indication that, that things aren't going to go decent well for sign. us. Yeah, right. Decent sign. And there's a few of those. There's a few of those flags that, you know, that I can put out there. But short of that, you don't really know who this person is until they get into this specific role with this specific team, yes. at this specific moment in their lives. Yep. Remember the other side too, is that's a huge variable. You got somebody coming in and they just had their first kid. Wonderful. Guess what? They're not the same person they were 10 minutes Correct. ago when they didn't have that kid. You and I aren't, yeah. right? We saw that firsthand. <laughs> not at all. Yes, right? we did. You have a whole new set of, of requirements and distractions, et cetera. And most of our staff has kids, right? And so it's not like it's yep. something that, that we don't hire for. But we're aware of you know some of the challenges there. Now that said, what I'm really talking about is how things have changed for them. So they're coming into this job saying, "Oh, it's just gonna be like the last few jobs that I had when I didn't have a kid." It is not another no. variable that gets dropped into the mix, and we're pretending like we can solve for all these in a in a 60 minute interview. Can't happen. Actually, right. can't happen. You touched on a couple of things there. I think are really important. One, you know, their individual circumstances may be changing to we're a brand new business, right? Very yeah. little is figured out here. And so even if the objective evidence says this person's really good at a role that looked a bit like this at a company that might've looked kind of like this, it's not the same playing field. It's not the same stage. So even if they were a rock star somewhere in the past, doesn't mean they're gonna rock this stage. And we have to be very careful about making those assumptions, right? If we put them into exactly the same situation, we would expect them to get nearly the same results. That's not gonna happen here, right? The, the, the chances that this role is exactly like the last role, very, very small. Even going corporation to corporation, whereas you've said 80 to 90% of the variables are eliminated and we're operating in a relatively clear and static environment, that's not the case. So when we introduce the fully variable situation that is a startup company, being able to pretend that we're going to do some sort of calculus mixed with crystal ball and figure out who's exactly right for the role. It's a great waste of time. I watched this happen in real time. Uh, in my first business, once we got to the point where we were thinking about going public, we had to staff up with, with adults and <laughs> we wanted to go out and find I remember a CEO. That phase. <laughs> yeah. We, we wanted yeah. to find out, uh, go out and find a CEO uh, that had uh, checked all the boxes. Um, Gray hair. Knows Pretty how to much. tie a tie. Yeah. A, what a, else? A tall white male with gray hair. I mean, <laughs> at the time, that's literally yeah. like like what people yeah. were minting. Is is a whole God. different time. Thank God. 
so we, we find this guy and, uh, and I, I won't name his name or anything else like that, but um, probably the most perfect resume you could have top Ivy league, top consulting company, top public company, top public company after that. Like he was the guy and Just what he was looking big for, three tattooed on his neck. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, exactly. He, he, he was, he was looking for, a company that was just about to go public so he could like you know negotiate a big stake in sure. in, in cash in right yep um this was in the 90s where there weren't as many of those as there are now there just weren't as many right. venture funded companies um so we had a good opportunity to find somebody like this so we ended up uh getting to come on board and at first i'm enamored because again i'm like this is the business yoda that i've been looking for right he right actually right. i'm not kidding he would sit back and tent his fingers and talk to me over his tented fingers about uh, business strategy. And all I thought to myself was, you are a caricature yeah. of what people think a, a president or CEO of a company. It was hilarious, right? That's uh, amazing. But but here was the best part. So he comes on board. He checks all these boxes. And we're a very large agency at this point. So at this point, like, like we're looking to get massive, massive clients. We need yeah. 50 or $100 million client wins in order to move the meter at all for us and tell our story. This guy is as connected as it gets at all the top levels, all the boards, everything. And so after like an uncomfortably long time, like two months, <laughs> we're like, bro, are you going to start making some of those calls to some of your buddies? And he was like, yeah, I just don't know if the timing's right. And I'm like, you know, we're an agency. Like this is all yeah, we do. Like right. business development isn't like your, your sort of job. Business <laughs> development is, is your job, job, right? Yep. And he didn't understand that. And he wanted to know like 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 what our catering service level was like. He wanted to know like if if he only got six weeks of vacation. He wanted, and we're like, what are you like? Yeah, me and the other guys haven't That's taken a vacation question? ten years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, where where do you think you uh... are? So here we had locked in all the variables that we thought were the perfect candidate. And to his credit, super smart guy, right? In the right yeah. environment, you know, amazing. Yeah, but obviously it performed well up until that point. We didn't calibrate the one variable that mattered, yeah. our variable. Yes. We were the variable, right? Working in this business. So I love it when people poach people out of big co yeah. and, and they're like, oh yeah, you, we got this amazing person. I was like, that person ever work in a startup before? Ain't the same thing. Ain't <laughs> the same thing, right? I mean, so so you see it, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. No, it's again, like I, I think the ability that we have to get this right ahead of time uh, is small. I mean, the, the, that was a, it's a hysterical, and it's a, and it's kind of the the pinnacle example, right? Like you're probably not most people that are listening to this probably aren't looking to uh, hire a CEO to go public. Uh, they're like, how do we hire our first customer service rep? It's the um, same problem, though. The same problem. That's exactly that's the point I want to get to. Is that while this may sound like an outlandish and and crazy example, this applies all the way down the chain from top to bottom. The amount of ability you have to to game this to thumb the scale to get this right is extremely limited and i'm saying if that's the best case <laughs> <laughs> right that's the best case where you have tons of objective data yep. long track record right yep. probably tons of references and tons of referenceable wins victories yep. statements lots of public information around this individual when you're about to go hire your first hire who just got on linkedin yesterday as they're looking for their first job pretty different story. So don't try to apply because even when all the information is there, it still doesn't work to your point. Uh, and when we have very little information, this should help us to very quickly right size our approach to this, which is there's going to be some dice rolling here, folks. Get okay with it, right?
let's talk about that, Ryan. Yeah, you are the chief dice roller because <laughs> yes, because indeed. you're you're in charge of marketing, Ryan, as our CMO. You are more used to rolling dice and in running into the abyss than anyone because it's yeah. so integral in what you do. Yeah, um, this is all we do. How often, from the marketing side, are people getting marketing right? I mean, at the at the early stages, almost never. Right? Can I mean, this is, is it even this possible? Is, not without some luck, right? It's kind of like you said before, right? Like you you may end up picking a channel that has some degree of success for you. You end up getting it to work out. Does it usually work out? And is there are we saying the words ROI in week one, month one? Generally not, right? Like we're right. we're we're testing things. We're we're constantly looking for why we're wrong. I think that, you know, this is one of those places where and it took me a long time to get here, but once you get there and it's like you adopt that, let's figure out why we're wrong. Like, here's what we think is going to work. Here's what we're going to go try. Here's why we're probably wrong, or let's go find out why we're wrong. And then we make corrections. We make adaptations. You know, I think the, the one, the one saving grace to the fact that, that marketing is often wrong and starts wrong and continues wrong is that we do get to make corrections and we see the objective outcomes of those much sooner. So while we tend to be wrong more than maybe anybody else in the entire organization, we have the luxury of finding out how to get closer to right faster than anybody else as well. Right, so I think right. that there's, there's a little bit of solace to be taken in that, right? Like I can run some ad tests and find out within a couple of days if I'm on the right track or not. The wrong hire, that could take months or years to find out that we didn't get exactly what we wanted. Right business idea? <laughs> Three <A> years. <laughs> Sometimes, right? Like we know, we know people have been working on something for 10 years and finally they're like, you know what? I just, it probably wasn't the right idea to work on for whatever right. reason, sure. right? Sure. So the time frames can be so protracted. I think that's, again, like the one, the one small piece of solace that I can take uh, is knowing that the time frames on being wrong tend to be at least a little bit shorter and I can get right faster. That's true. And too, a lot of people are saying, hey, I want to start with Facebook marketing or I want to start with social. I want to start with, you know, whatever, whatever their channels are that they think uh, they should get into. And the question is always the same. And, and Ryan, you being in this as a CMO, uh, me having come from an agency world and had this conversation about a billion times also with startups is they want to know where can I be right? And my answer yeah. is always relatively the same. My answer is always your job right now is to set it all on fire and find out where it starts burning less. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> they set it on fire because I want to put that mental image in yep. of there's no version where you're just going to invest out of the blue and all of a sudden hit exactly the right channel for exactly the right customer with exactly the yep. right message and, and all the conversion metrics all the at the same time. You yep. might get a few right and, and you were a little bit good, mostly lucky. But there's yeah. no version with in marketing, especially at scale, where you actually know the answer. You don't. You can't. That's sort of the point, which is why going back to this culture of wrong, we have to be able to sit down with our marketing budget, our team, our agency, yeah. et cetera, and be prudent about it. I know. Yeah. You know what? I know there's no way to get this right, especially out of the gates. How can we test so that we can learn to be less wrong? Our marketing, yeah. our growth is about being less wrong a very different approach in how you look at the business. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think if we don't look at it that way, and, and, and I think you just said something that's important, and we can continue with that, which is the, this culture of being wrong, right? So this extends beyond the idea. This extends beyond the hires. This extends beyond uh, uh, marketing. Uh, this permeates the entire organization, right? When we adopt the and embrace the ability to be wrong and understand that that is just part of the process, 
I things will start to move much, much faster, right? Because if we look at the at, at the other side of that coin, right, where we set this expectation that, you know, uh, you got to come in, you got to be hard charging, you got to drive results, you got to, you know, do all this stuff at the beginning. And we basically eliminate any wiggle room or perception that they can be wrong. We're all but determining the outcome here. And it's not a good one, right? Because the idea that they come in on the first day and they're right, uh, really small. And if they don't feel like they're allowed to be wrong, the, the idea that they're going to somehow go through all the required permutations without ever being wrong and get us to that place we want to be, it's zero, right? It's a dangerous it just, culture. 100%. And it spreads fast, right? It doesn't have to be from direct experience. You've talked about this before. If we get uh, punitive with somebody over being wrong, right, doesn't just impact that person, right? Everybody on that team or in that Slack channel or in that meeting or on that email who sees how that person was beat up, beat down, denigrated in whatever way for being wrong, everybody else is going to take notice of that. And they're going to go, oh, shit, I can't be wrong either. Right? Well, let's define that wrong because sure. you know I, I think you and I see two two different versions of it. There's a wrong where you're just straight up lazy or incompetent. Yes, Th that that actually probably does deserve you know whatever response is coming. Of right? course, by, right. by all means, temper it. But but that's different. But what you're talking about isn't that. No, if no, no. Just straight up did something wrong again. Whatever. I'm not talking about negligence or yes, dereliction right, right, of right. duty or even making a mistake. Right, because I would, I would, I would put all three of those things in a separate category. Being wrong assumes that you had something that you were intentionally going after in the first place, right? That you you had some level of an assumption, right? There was a hypothesis there, and you, it proved to be wrong, right? If you're just running around wildly without hypothesis, you're not wrong because there's no way to be right. You're just negligent <laughs> at that point. You're just right, negligent, right? Right, right. And, and I think that what happens is at, at the top, at the leadership level, if we're sitting on the whiteboard and the whole team is arguing about who's right about some pricing decision, oh, man. here's what I learned yep. long ago. And I think this will, this will help some folks uh, kind of defuse things a bit. When we get into a situation where things are getting heated, my default answer is always this. Why don't we agree that I don't know the answer and you don't know the answer either? Correct. We'll argue about yep. what our opinions are of what the answer yep. could be, but let's take this off the table for a second as if we're arguing that one of us actually has the definitive answer. <laughs> right. Because we rarely do. Yeah. If no. we're saying here's what pricing could be, should be, yep. we're both going to make strong cases for where we've seen a pricing scheme work in the past, where other similar businesses have run the pricing scheme. But the truth is, the truth is, unless we run these pricing schemes and test them, correct. No one actually knows, know. and we won't know nope. until we get it out there. And Correct. I think that's a culture that you can build where you can look around the team and you can set that tone and say, why don't we agree that none of us actually knows and restart the conversation from there? Yeah. What do we want to test? What, what do we want to learn together, given exactly different it. inputs, and see where we can go? Now, here's yep. what's cool about that. You start that at the leadership level, and you start to say, look, um, I've got, imagine this, a bit of humility that maybe just because I've got a C in my title, I don't actually have the answer. And we yeah. start with that. Taking that humility and broadcasting it across the organization, somebody has a, a big swing that they make, let's say, on marketing, and it doesn't pan out. And our answer looks something more like, hey, there's no way you actually could have known if it worked. 
I appreciate the effort. I get what you were trying to do. Now let's try to figure out how we can reload it and do it again. To me, that's the right answer. Broward beating people over answers they couldn't have possibly known, to me, is just weak. I think it's just it's, it's, weak. A, it's a symbol of, of weak leadership. And I yeah. think it's a bad culture to build. Because here's what ends up happening. If we browbeat people over things they couldn't have possibly known the answers to, what do they do? They hide. They defend. They create every bad behavior that makes it so much harder for us to be effective leadership. We actually put a trap door in it. They did, yeah, they start digging moats around all of their processes, all of right. their thinking, all of their right. It just they just go into defensive mode. Uh, going back to what you said, right? When we run into this impasse situation, where where there's sort of two paths we can take. One is that we continue to argue to decide who's right and which path we're going to take. Um, which we've already said, there's no way of actually knowing which one of those two things is right. When we say, hey, we don't actually know which one of these things is correct, let's restart the conversation. Let's restage the conversation and recast it in a way that allows us to decide which of these things are we going to test first, right? Let's look at our critical path as a business. Let's zoom back out beyond this decision. And let's say, of these options that we have, which one do we want to test first, right? Which one makes more sense to test first? And we get everybody's thinking realigned to which of these are we going to do now versus which one of these are going to do at all? Who's right? Who's wrong? It completely changes the context and it allows us to move forward. Otherwise, we just end up arguing, wasting a ton of time. Um, to your point, like having some humility and I think having you know great leadership, I've seen plenty of great leaders just say like they may really truly believe and they may have more experience. They may have reasons to objectively believe their decision is right. Just say, let's try yours first. Let's just go with that first because... If we spend all of our time trying to figure out who's right and never give ourselves an ability to be wrong, we're never going to move forward at all. So in addition to all the stuff related to founder groups, you've also got full access to everything on startups.com. That includes all of our education tracks, which will be funding, customer acquisition, even how to manage your monthly finances. There's so much stuff in there. All of our software, including BizPlan for putting together detailed business plans and financials, LaunchRock for attracting early customers, and of course, Fundable for attracting investment capital. When you log into the startups.com site, you'll find all of these resources available.